This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Another top week following Wrexham. Nathan Sol, I think we just need to get straight into it, don't we? I'm very giddy with excitement. I'm very nervous. I can't say I enjoyed either of the matches I attended since we last recorded, but all that matters is the facts. Wrexham, a top of the table with a game in hand, it is in our hands. How are you doing? Well, you've gone full Rafa Benitez again with these fact sheets. I'm doing very good. Uh, I've, I've, I'm still. I feel like I'm still thawing out. I watched the game uh, thanks to uh, a good friend. I watched it from Mold Road or the Cold Road, as some people will know it. Uh, it is, as the name suggests, absolutely Baltic. I saw uh, one of the Manchester Reds, Laws. Uh, he was very wrapped up, and I was not. So I learned a very painful lesson. But Tuesday night, Rich, we met for a pint before in the turf. A little bit nervous, were we? What can we say? We were cautiously optimistic, we'll say that. Um, yeah, and and was... within within five minutes, or within seven minutes, we could have been 2-0 up, and it, we were in dreamland. I, I, I was surprised. I know, I know Chesterfield have been in a bit of free fall, but I was surprised how quick we started. I thought the atmosphere was good from the off. It was nice and loud. And, and hey... We, we we blitzed them when we needed to and, and we started strong. It was brilliant, yeah. It was the I think part of the concern for me this season has been that there's been it's really tense, okay. It's very tense, so the atmosphere is always gonna be edgy and fans are just really irate and every misplaced pass feels massive, every missed shot feels huge. And you know, there's it's just because the stakes are so high. So I do think that there's a reason why the atmosphere has been a bit off for quite a few of the home games this season. But the other factor is that we haven't played many of the big sides anyway, and we haven't played many of the big sides at home on Tuesday nights, which we had in abundance last season. We had Chesterfield, we had Knotts at home, uh, Grimsby at home, we had Halifax when they were flying high, Boreham Wood. They were all home night, home Tuesday nighters, and that helped the atmosphere, it really did. And Chesterfield was like a throwback to that. You said it, Nath. They're not in the best form, but it was a free hit for them. And when you actually look at their starting lineup, okay, Dobra was missing, but my word, they have got such a talented side. And you still feel that if they could, you know, maybe have a change of manager or get their stuff together, they'd still be pretty decent on for the playoffs if they could get some momentum going. Their team is stacked with talent. Again, I thought Colcliffe was brilliant for them. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well taken goal. I've said before, I would have loved him at Wrexham, but... It's just our strength in depth. The fact that we've now gone in the space of a year from Ollie Palmer sort of being dispensable to the starting lineup 
obscene. Jordan Davis didn't start. How has that happened? You know, they're two of our best players from last season. And it's like, oh yeah, they're on the bench. Of course they're on the bench because we've got so many other good players who can start. And for me, last night, I'm not one of the fans who's going to get too carried away. I will only sing factual chants. I will sing we're top of the league because right now we are. I'm not going to say we're going to win it because that is, that's not a fact. And I'm going to go Rafa Benitez on this. Oh, I will sing we have got 12 games left of the league table. I'll sing... We're we're with a very good chance to win the league, but I'm not getting carried away yet. But last night against Chesterfield really did it put the possibility in my head. Let's put it that right. way. Well, that's an exciting possibility. And what I would say, I know I've seen some scathing criticism of Chesterfield. I actually thought second half they played okay. I think if I was, you know, hopefully from their side they've got something to build on because like you say Colclough in a 4-3-3 I think looks lethal one of the best in his position in the division um you know they did trouble Ford and Mendy defensively can't escape that but really when you look at it you know Luke Young has to score um from what is it that was right in front of you Rich 5 yards out uh, free yeah, header he's just surprised you know. by the header coming through right. all the way to him he's got to, but he's got to he's got to score that for me Paul Mullin has two one-on-ones uh, one in each half First one, you could say he's had too much time to think about it, you know, and he's and he's human after all. The second one, he ends up blazing into the cop. It looked like it took a bit of a bobble in front of me, but again, you'd back him to score that. Elliot Lee crashes the bar late on, um, you know, and, and also Paul McAdam. It could have been a five-four on, game, a three-three. You know, on another day, I think a fair reflection would have been like four-two or five-two to us. Right, I think right. both teams carved each other open. It was just our quality. And that first goal, I mean, both of the goals, Elliot Lee and Mullins interchange that opener is obscene. It's one of my favourite I was there sort of race course moments. It was absolutely brilliant and it felt massive. And then Dolby, I was screaming at him saying, just cross it, cross it. He takes that touch. <laughs> it's almost identical to what he does against Dorking, but this is the Dulux version. Brings it inside. The finish is exquisite as well. And Sam Dolby... He's another player who some of us owe, owe an apology to, myself included, because I thought, what's his sort of purpose here? Is he better than what we've had in the past? He is incredible. The goals he's scored, the important goals he's scored as well, he's made such a difference in so many games. and It does feel to me like almost since that Coventry game, that was the day he was like, yeah, I'm not just a squad player. I'm someone who should be starting. I can do it in the big games. And he was sensational. But Nath, we've probably named the podcast after him because we do that in post-production. Rob Layton, that save, it was like Gordon Banks-esque. I mean, it is remarkable. You know, it is a remarkable save. And again, I don't want to... I want to be able to build Rob Layton up without dragging Mark Howard down, but I just think he's shown in recent weeks he he is he's the best goalkeeper at the football club and has a case to be the best goalkeeper in the division. And right, it's one save in a moment... You know, he didn't keep a clean sheet, but it, but he's coming up with big saves, Rich, and and really top draw. You know, he's got his, his nickname Top Cat. Really, the the one criticism you you have of Rob Lainton is he's too brave, and you know we're knocking on wood that he's got Bromley away where he always seems to come a cropper. But I mean that save, I thought epitomised everything he's good at. I, I was thinking back actually to, I think it was that midweek game where Rob, Ollie Palmer made his debut last season. Was it Grimsby under the lights? Yeah. And he makes a double save. You know, I think he makes one on the on the ground and then jumps up and manages to tip it over the bar. It's, it's an unbelievable. I think we tweeted it out at the time, Rob Ryan read. Um, it's reflexes, I think, are incredible. You know, if, you, if you're the Chesterfield player, that isn't a bad header. I think you've almost done everything right there. You get it down, get it low. You know, in slow motion, it, it doesn't look maybe look as good as it is as when you put it in in full speed. I just think, you know, that was a key key moment in the game because they were pushing at that point. And you know, I think had we gone two one with a lot longer on the clock, who knows? You know, they were the aggressive team in that second half, and um, you know, the hand of Rob, absolute iron steel, mate. It was uh, right in front of you that, and and is. One of the best saves I've seen in a long, long time. Well, we came up with David the Dibble last season, didn't we? I've been trying to think of goalkeepers I can make. Sort the of... Bolton Buffon is that the nickname Bolton that I've seen Buffon, floating I like about? That. I think it was the sort Bolton of like Buffon, not Jens Lehmann, like Jens Lehnton, but I'm not sure yet. Right. Jens Lehmann was big enough for, uh, for some, some. I think I've supporters. seen. I think I've seen the Bolton Buffon. I think I've seen that floating around, and Gianluigi is uh, very esteemed company, so I'm sure he would love to 
be linked with Wrexham number one, Rob Lainton. Uh, but it, but it is. I don't know what it is, Rich. And I what mean, what I loved about him is he he is one of those players that you can just imagine he would be in the stand himself if he wasn't a player. That the pain he grimaces when we were missing chances when Mullen missed that second one, the one that like he said. Leighton sort of fell to the ground in agony. It hurt him that we hadn't scored again. And you can just see the emotion in him. And I suppose that's something that often worked against Howard. Howard has said himself, you know, he's very calm and composed and he tries to stay level-headed throughout the game. You know, that is that is the key for some goalkeepers. Leighton thrives off the energy, the passion, and just the injustice at times. Do you know what I mean? You can see he gets carried away. You can see that that is what fuels him. And... They're two very different goalkeepers. They both have their advantages and their disadvantages. But right now, it's about making those ruthless calls, like we said. And until the end of the season, for me, Rob Layton, he isn't just Wrexham's number one. He's the National League's number one. He is such a brilliant goalkeeper. And of course, he signed that contract extension as well, which is a further endorsement of just how highly rated he is at the club. And he just fills everyone with confidence. He was brilliant. And I'm also going to say a shout out for me to Ben Tozer. I thought he was poor in the Dawking game. I thought he was sensational against Chesterfield. I thought he was really streetwise, good game management and helped to coordinate the rest of the back line as well. I was really impressed with Tozer. Rich, just for me on, sorry to nip back to Rob Lainton, but for me... I really want him to to go up. Obviously, I want us all to go up. But you know when we're talking about Luke Young and that he's been there, he's had those moments of where we've we've not done it. And you know, thinking back to Dagenham a couple of years ago, we losing the player. Layton's been there and done the time. And you know, we've seen him in the documentary tile in his bathroom, and and he is a very down to earth, normal bloke that you could see in the tech end next to the drummer and and and, and just enjoying it. But you know he's had a lot of he's dealt with a lot of Wrexham and has, has has been up and down and knows what it means to deliver it to this fan base and that's not that's not a knock on anyone who's joined since um, I'm sure that you know they also get what it means and Mark Howard is very popular and all these other new players are very very popular um, in the dressing room but you know people like Young and Lainton is they really really know how tough this has been pre Ryan and Rob and so I'm desperate again- for him to to be part of to be central to it as well you know what I mean to, to be central to it and with saves yeah, well, like that he's, he's going to be and like what I keep on saying I think I said it last week what I love is it's just a big middle finger up to all these people who say we're buying the league that arguably the best like, sort of central midfielder in the league is Luke Young and the best goalkeeper in the division is Rob Layton both trust signings both pre-Hollywood and they're still here they're still key players in this star-studded squad we have the money. We could have gone out and bought, you know, well, we did buy a Football League goalkeeper. We bought Football League midfielders. But it says so much that Leighton and Young are still integral to everything Wrexham are doing. And my word, I would love it to go Kevin Keegan. <laughs> love it if I could have that picture of Leighton and Youngie lifting aloft the trophy on the final That'd day. That would be great, wouldn't it? Inject it into the veins. But yeah, yeah and all, brilliant, Rich, brilliant so Leighton, Leighton and Young would be great. A couple of other things. Very much love the fact that Leighton had ball boys tying his shoelaces for him because he couldn't do that. That was very enjoyable uh, in the first half. And we had a, I think we had a free kick. Um, and what else was I going to say? Um, uh, looking at Leighton though, you know, I know Chesterfield have had their ups and downs in terms of the goalkeepers, but it was a bizarre goalkeeping performance. I thought from their keeper Fitzsimmons, sort of turned into a, a non-league Neuer. What my Abi? What was happening? Because from where you were, you know that was the first um, first half. We were attacking the the tech end. He was flying out of the box. The very, the very yeah. sort of opposite to Lainton. He well, maybe wasn't he was a natural shot stopper, but wasn't he was. He? And what he was, was going on there? Line. It didn't fill me with sort of confidence. If I was a Chesterfield fan, you know, I mean, like I said, I my favorite goalkeeper was Mayabi because he offered so much entertainment. But there comes a stage where you don't want entertainment. You just want your goalkeeper no. to keep the ball out of the net. And yeah, Rob Layton is, is the best in the business at doing that. And like you said, Nath, we won't get much um, credit in general because Chesterfield have been in free fall. It's now 11 league games without a win for them. But mm. it, 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 you've got to take it away. It did feel like sort of a derby where form goes out of the window and it was a real compelling match and it was fantastic. What a... Fantastic performance from Wrexham and just credit again to uh, to Parky really and to his staff, to the, the coaches, to the medical team. The amount of games Wrexham played in February, to come through that unscathed relatively. I know we've had a few injuries, a few setbacks, but for the performance levels not to drop drastically and particularly 
for the results not to drop. We're not going to be playing complete football for 90 minutes every level. That that just doesn't happen no matter what team is playing. And it certainly doesn't happen in the National League. So just to find a way to win. What I've seen in the last few weeks, which is which is understandable, but what annoys me, is there's been a lot of criticism of the way Wrexham have played. But we've won. And at the end of the season, or even at the end of 90 minutes, a 6-0 win with 80% possession counts the very same as a 1-0 win with one shot oh, target. Totally. It's just about finding a way to win. And that's what really does fill me with belief about this Wrexham side is we know how to win. We can play ugly and win. All that matters is that we get those three points. And Parky deserves a huge shout out for instilling that mentality and for maintaining it as well. Uh, you know, there's a long way to go. Not getting yeah. carried away yet, but that does fill me with confidence. And, and Rich, and finally for me on Tuesday night, you mentioned Bentoza. I, I will say, yeah, he's deserves a lot of credit. In a way, he's gone a bit under the radar. You know, he's had a lot of upheaval at the back in terms of chopping and changing the partners. He's been able to keep his cool. And yes, he's had moments. You know, I thought he, he maybe could have kept the ball at a certain stage last, uh, on Tuesday night. Didn't, but you know, we're nitpicking here. But for me, I just wanted to highlight two players. You've already mentioned they got the goals. Elliot Lee, I think he may have goal of the season wrapped up Dorking the Dorking goal was absolutely fabulous I mean the one last night uh, Tuesday night is is, is breathtaking as well his link up play with Mullen I think is really really developing well but I put a tweet out and I pinned it um, on our profile on Twitter on Sam Dolby you know Rich this is a player you said yourself about apologising I mean I think we all we all kind of couldn't see the the, the reasoning behind it, the logic, you know, he was a de facto third choice um, striker, you know, was clearly third choice, no longer, um, absolutely no longer. You know, he never once kicked up a fuss. You know, and I remember early on in the season, he was getting some minutes in the reserve team. And now he's a, a starter who looks like he's showing no sign of, of giving that shirt up anytime soon. It, you know, he was the one who played it through for Mullin to go one-on-one in the first half. He's, he's a player that for me unlike a lot of the other players in the team who are ready-made, he is ascending in front of our very eyes. You know, he is developing into an even better player game after game, and that is really rare and special to see. Um, because, you know, players like Elliot Lee, Andy Cannon, people like Anthony Ford, Oli Palmer, they've been around the block a long time. They they know who they are as players, and Paul Mullin as well, people like that. Sam Dolby is a player that I think is getting better and better. And... It wouldn't shock me if he's got another couple of huge, huge goals in him, like that older shot one. So they are the two that I wanted to really give credit to because I thought he was a deserving man of the match, and and you know he'll be heading down to Maidenhead, confident he'll be able to retain his place. So much positivity, isn't there? Just what a buzz about the place at the moment. And, you know, I'm going to say again, I'm not getting carried away. I'm not getting carried away, but I have booked a holiday for when the playoffs are on. So <laughs> that says a lot about how I'm thinking right now. Fingers crossed I'm not having to watch, tune into any National League from Japan at 2am or whenever it would be. Uh, Nave, talking about other business before we bring on our guests. There's been, you know, lots of developments over the last week. Season ticket uh, renewal is open now. The kit's as well. We've not been able to see any of the kits, but Wrexham will have a red home strip next season, a white away. And mo- most excitingly for me is a black third strip as well. Are you going to be getting your hands on any of them? I've, I'm I'm almost certain to get the black third kit. I, I haven't seen a black kit that I don't like. I would love it to be like Borussia Dortmund's where everything is blacked out. You know, everything crest. That is one of the coolest kits I've ever seen. Um, I'm sure it won't be like that. Why we? I do find it odd that you pre-order something you haven't seen. I know Humphreys explained um, recently or just in the past week that they are. I think he, I think his exact words were fixing affixing the sponsor. Um, which, if you want my opinion, I I have no intel at all. But if you want my opinion, I am growing doubtful that it is TikTok again. It may well be, um, and we'll we'll soon find out. But I find it strange that. What do you think, Rich? I find it strange we haven't seen the kit that you're pre-ordering well, it without seeing it. Yeah, I suppose it. unless this, the sponsorship deal is signed, sealed and delivered, you can't be putting it out there. And that's for both the club's point of view and the, the company. You're, you're do you think you could put it out it. there without a sponsor on it, Rich? To give a general so, feel for but, the shirt? But then again, you know, a sponsor can radically change the shirt. Massively. I'd agree with that. So, I'd agree with that. I mean, 
no offense, I'm not gonna I'm not throwing shade at either Williams trailers here, but a blackout <laughs> kit with their logo on the front still in the blue and white would be quite garish. I remember when I worked at the club, uh, voluntary was would have been 2015 or 2016. We had a yellow and red away kit. Do you remember this? It was like yellow and red. Yes, I remember. Um, there was discussions with Ivor Williams trailers to see if we could have their logo in red on on the kit so it didn't stand out as much. Right. And they said no. They said no. We want it in blue. So do you know I mean there's loads of design elements and stuff. I would have at least liked to have a bit of a tease of sort of from the neck up or whatever, just so I could sort of tell: is it a collared shirt? What type of design is it? Is, is it all black like you said, or is there other design elements on it as well? Because you know it could be a referee kit at the end of the day, couldn't it? But it's that Macron be- again. We know that, so we know the sizing. We know it's going to be Macron sizing again. So Macron have signed on for another year. You know, lots of chatter that what do you make of be Nike? I mean- was it going to be Adidas? Was it going to be New Armour? Was it going to be New Balance or whatever? Under Armour, New Balance. Um, cat, you I know, would Puma, say, though, was it going to be? I mean, I've, I've seen a, a little bit of outcry on social media, though, that price has gone up, even though it's the same supplier. I suppose there's, you know, everything in the world's gone up at the moment, hasn't it? So right. I suppose that's maybe a reflection of the cost of living and just the, the world in general of inflation and shipping concerns etc i'd also say as well on that a little bit (laughs) cheeky shall i say that it's pre-order now for a five pound discount but you have to pay five pound for delivery that doesn't quite sit right with me i'm not sure that's just an oversight or was it something like i think you make a 15 pence saving or a 25 pence saving or something it's four it's just under five pounds for four four eight five for postage you can't collect and you get a five pound discount, Rich. So there you go. There you so go. You save fifteen p rather than <laughs> buying. Hey, but again, I'd say contrary to that, the club will probably say, "Well, you're guaranteed to get a shirt." And of course, this, this season true. there's been issues with actually su- supply. Lots of people had to wait a long time to get their shirts. So they've I suppose all, the counter argument is you're actually paying to get a guaranteed shirt. And, and look, and, and Sean Harvey came on here with you while I was away and said that they'd have, they've ordered what thirty five thousand. That was that's, that was the figure he said. Yeah, I believe so. Right, right. So thirty-five thousand um, shirts. We'll see. We'll, well, I mean, time will tell. If dare I say, Rich, if we go up, that probably will not be enough with season two of the documentary on the horizon. Yeah, I don't I'm know. already. It's I'm so already hard. edging it's... towards. It's not enough, which is brilliant because that means the season after. Hopefully, there's more incentive to to go and get it, and we'll see. We'll see. I suppose. I mean, I would like on the kit front to be able to get shirt printing again for next season as well officially if possible I, I know lots of people have been sort of plugging local Wrexham businesses that do back of the shirt printing and whatever and I just I, if Wrexham get promoted if I want to have the football league badges and I want a player name perhaps you know with the actual iconography on the back and who I think, would you get on the back if you had to get one tomorrow what player would you get on the back would you go I mean, for Mullin because you, you do love Mullin you get some Sam Dolby at the moment but I mean, right there you go the thing well, we've is, got to have Jacob Mendy, Jacob Mendy, Mendy, surely. I've always liked a sort of <laughs> wacky player, which is I'm not going to name any players out on the back of this, but we've got friend right. of the podcast James Kelly. Dear me, his collection before. is his hit rate for player names on the back of a shirt is abysmal, um, unbelievable. Silvio Span, yeah, he's had Bunane Span, Marcus Kelly. He's had, he's had pretty, Fondop. He had Fondop on. Basically, if he had your name on the back of a shirt, you are destined to be a cult hero, really, of Wrexham. <laughs> and these are all in preempt. I wouldn't be surprised if he had Nicky Devadix or not. I mean, he really did have a who's who of Wrexham. He probably has a Sean Brisley shirt somewhere in the back of the wardrobe. I'm convinced. He won't. He won't admit this, but I'm. I'm almost convinced he does. I'm pretty sure he's got a Charlie Trafford one from last season as well. But we'll wait. And <laughs> that see is on the. That. that is the ultimate. Um, that is the ultimate little Easter egg of Wrexham memorabilia. I think Charlie but- Trafford. Wow. But Naif, someone who is probably a lot more familiar to Wrexham fans and certainly Wrexham fans who've been watching this season is our guest this week on the podcast. You've been catching up with National League royalty? I mean, he would probably like that term. Um, Adam Somerton, if you don't recognise him, you will recognise his voice almost certainly. He is, I'm going to call him the lead commentator for BT on all the National League games. So the man you hear next to Adam Virgo, commenting on all the National League games. He's very well-versed. He covers everything from Champions League to uh, Premier League and, and everything in between, Serie A and everything. But he absolutely loves uh, National League football, commentating on National League football. And he'll be there at the weekend, Wrexham, Maidenhead. And so I thought, who better 
ahead of our next televised game to pick the brains of than Adam Summerson. So here is my chat with uh, the voice of the National League. Adam, National League, BT Sports, uh, big thing, big game at the weekend for Wrexham against Maidenhead. Firstly, what have you made of this season? Bon- bonkers, <laughs> bonkers season, bonkers question, but how have you found it? It's been absolutely brilliant. It's just kept you guessing all the way through. It's just had so much drama and tension, and I feel like we've nowhere near the peak of it yet. At least I hope we're not anyway from a neutral perspective. The thing with the National League is year in, year out, it gives us stories of different types. That's the great thing about the league is the stories that it gives us. You know, it hasn't got the quality naturally of watching the Champions League or the Premier League, but it, it, it has that intrigue and interest every single year. And clearly this year, you know, we've got a title race. It would appear for the ages between two truly exceptional teams. I would say two of the best teams there's ever been at this level, certainly in the years I've been covering it anyway. Uh, and which way it will go is is so hard to, to guess. Um, and, and, and I think that the jeopardy on it clearly of there only being one automatic promotion place just heightens that massively. If that wasn't there, um, I'm a big campaigner for, for there to be two up, but it, if it, that was the case this season, it wouldn't be nearly as, as exciting, would it? So, uh, But it's, it's great fun. It really is. And as I say, it's, it keeps you guessing every week. Yeah, maybe we'll get on later to three up and three down. But, it, you know, we have a lot of American listeners, a lot of international listeners, which is great since since the takeover. But maybe talk to us a bit about when you started really following the National League and when you became a key commentator on it, because the league has evolved massively. Now we're streaming the games and the quality, you know, we're seeing players like Elliot Lee, Ruben Rodriguez, Jody Jones, all these different top quality players dropping down leagues. What's what's been your 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 journey of the National League? Well, I've worked. Uh, I mean, in terms of being a commentator, I mean, I did my first live radio game in two thousand and three. So, um, I, I sort of did all sorts of different roles as well, working in local radio, regional radio, national radio, and then club TV and things like. Very, very gradually over more than a decade, sort of worked my way up to the when BT Sport launched in twenty thirteen. I was uh, I've been there. I've been involved there. Uh, since it launched in other places as well, but um, yeah, I've been I've been involved since the start at BT Sport. They've had the the National League contract since it launched, which I think we're quite well, really proud of actually at BT that we've been there. You know, broadcasting the National League for well, it's it's almost a decade now. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a great thing. I think I my first game was around something like 2015, something like that. It was. Um, who was my first game? It was Lincoln and Eastley was my wow. first game. Yeah, so, um, and I've I've been sort of the main commentator for it for a number of years now. I do other things as well. I do a whole variety of leagues and competitions from, as I say, the Premier League and the Champions League to, to the National League. I do women's football as well, the Women's Champions League. I did the WSL when BT had the contract for that too. So I, I do a wide variety of competitions. But as I say, I mean, I, I've been involved with... Uh, BT's National League coverage since about 2015 and I've seen a lot of changes in the league we've seen a lot of great stories fantastic games some of the the, the most memorable games I think I've ever done have, have been in the National League um, some absolutely fantastic matches some superb storylines and uh, this year is no different well I've got to ask you in terms of where does it rank painful for us probably number one on our pain list uh, Grimsby 5 Wrexham 4 um, last season, I mean that yeah. that that must be one of the mo- the craziest games we've seen and, and you've seen, yeah. I'm sure, as a commentator. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it right up there as one of the best football matches. Not that I've just commentated on, but that I've watched. It was truly unbelievable. It really was, and. Uh, it, the entertainment. I mean, you could argue that the quality of some of the defending was terrible, <laughs> but the actual game itself, in terms of how gripping it was, uh, it was just. As I say, I can't give it any big applaud. As someone who watches football for a living, to say to you that it was one of the best games I've ever seen. In fact, 
I have a, I enjoyed it so much as a neutral, just as a, as an occasion, as a, as a football match. I thought I have to get some kind of record of this. I have to have mm. some sort of memento for it, really, because um, it, it it gripped me so much. I needed to lie down afterwards after it because it was just <laughs> exhausted. I hadn't even kicked a ball, but yeah. So I, I got like a, a framed thing on on my office wall, just marking the game, which I've done with a, a few of the games that I've really enjoyed that I've covered over the years. The Tranmere playoff final where they right. were. Uh, we're down to 10 men after less than a minute I've got yeah. a frame of that on my wall as well so um, yeah that's that's how much the game meant to me in terms of a memory I'll never ever forget that it was uh, I know your team came on the wrong side of it yeah. but it was an incredible football match and and again from you know your your commentator and people listening your voice will be very familiar to a lot of people watching how, how long does it take you to prepare for the games because we see you know we, we've got used to chopping and changing of players and, you know, BT cover all the teams, all the games, not just Wrexham and Knots. You know, are you so thorough in your preparation? Because you do all these other leagues as well. It must be, I don't know if you've got an encyclopedic brain or what, but you, you must take a lot of time to prepare your notes and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's my, what I do, spend the majority of my time doing really is sat exactly where I'm sat talking to you now. Um, with my laptop open, my, my tablet there, and, and just researching and obviously phoning people as well. And and that's that's the majority, really, of a commentator's work, if you're doing it right, I suppose. They're labours of love. They can, you know, they take up an awful lot of time, uh, obviously, that people don't see. They just see you, you know, they hear the voice for an hour and a half hmm. or two hours, whatever. And, you know, th- that's kind of, I always say, that's really the, the easy bit. It's the, uh, the vast, vast majority of the work actually goes into the, the preparation for it. And in terms of how long it might take, it just really depends on what you're doing. And right. um, you could start with, a, as I've done in the past, where you've got basically a blank piece of paper in that you know absolutely nothing about both teams. You know, I've, I've done all sorts of things in the past, like I might have been given many, I don't wouldn't do it necessarily now, but many years ago, I might have been said, right, can you do this Brazilian match for us? And of course, I would have started out not knowing anything about either of the teams or um, particularly at the start of any given season with, with, with a league like the National, you tend to find there is a lot of turnover in terms of squads, maybe not quite so much now as maybe there was when I first started doing it, but right. there still can be quite a high turnover. So you can be starting almost afresh with some with some teams pretty close to it anyway because if the team's changed like 15 plays over a summer your research from the the season before might be a little bit of help for you as a bit of a base but you're basically pretty much starting from scratch so it very much depends on on how many times you've done the team before but I try and and put the same amount of prep in for a National League game that I would for a Champions League game because I always go with the view that it's another football match and you know regardless of the fact that for a Champions League game, for example, I was at Leipzig, Manchester City last week in Germany. You know, I know and you know that that is going to get a lot more viewers than, say, sure. uh, Wrexham Maidenhead will get this Saturday. But I think what you've got to remember is that for a lot of the people who are watching it, it is the most important game they will watch for them that weekend because they support the two teams involved. And, right. you know, and, and particularly when you're covering something like the National League, as a commentator, you have, you've got to know your stuff. I cover Serie A as well, and there's no room to hide with things like that because a lot of the people who are watching know the teams inside out. So if, you, uh, if you've not done your research or don't have the knowledge, they'll quickly suss you out. It wouldn't take long at all. So totally. you really have to be on top of your brief in, in that respect. And I think you just hit on something for me as a commentator in general, that research is so hugely important. I would say this to any aspiring commentator. It's fundamental for me in terms of doing a good job because... I always work to the premise that that knowledge that sorry that research clearly breeds knowledge hmm. knowledge then breeds confidence and then confidence breeds authority and it's a, a chain that that I live by really in terms of my job and I, and I think that it, as I say it's it's hugely important yeah well, that, I mean that's great you know we you get, get messages now and again and I know rich um, used to be in the media team and people are always kind of looking for ways to get in when I I mean I don't know if I've spoke about this before on the podcast when I started out writing um, about football I used to go to Droylsden and I remember I used to interview Dave Pace and he would be on his own um, and there would be no other journalist there and he would still you know scold me like Ferguson and all these other <laughs> top managers right so it was um, it was great but before we maybe get on to the, the televised game at the weekend you've not long seen Dagenham which Rex were playing on Tuesday night and then we've got South End. If we go maybe in reverse order, South End this season, uh, outside of Wrexham, I think have maybe been the story of the season. 
you know, Kevin Meyer, probably my personal manager of the season in the National League, been you know their turmoils well documented. What have you made of them this season in terms of what they've gone through as a club and and where they are still firmly in that playoff hunt? I've got an enormous amount of respect for Kevin Mayer and, and the players there and, and obviously the fans too because I think to be where they are off the back of such a, a difficult season, you know, to think that you know people had been going unpaid. Um, mm. you know, the, what you have to remember is that at that, that level of football, it isn't the riches of the Premier League or even the Championship. You know, these these players, if they don't get paid at the end of a month, you know, they could lose their homes. You know, th- right. th- these are not rich people. Um and so to play under that pressure and still give what they've given and to improve as much as they have on last season as well, we shouldn't forget that too. Um, I think to be around the playoff picture as they are and with every chance of finishing the season in the playoffs is, I agree with you, I, th- I think it's a phenomenal achievement. It really is. They've got some good people in the background there, you know, good football people who know know the game very well, you know, people like John Still, um, you know, Curry, the assistant there, mm. is, is is somebody who, who I've got a lot of time for as well. Stan Collymore, obviously, has played at the very top end of the game, is, is involved there as well. So they've got some good people involved. They've got some good players. I think they've recruited quite well, actually, too, um, which is down in part to those people behind the scenes. But Kevin and his players have done a remarkable job. And, you know, they would have to be, as you say, one of the stories of the season, regardless of whether it's Wrexham or not that go on to win the title. Southend, for very, very different reasons, hmm. deserve all the plaudits that, that, that will come their way. And, and, you know, while they struggled up at Notts County away from home, they're, they're a good side. And I think that'll be a tough game for Wrexham. That Even though Wrexham are unbeaten at home, I still think that, you know, a week on Saturday, I think that'll be a tough game. But before that, Dagenham, you've not long seen uh, away at Notts County. Had a lot of viewers from North Wales for that one. Uh, a lot of very happy <laughs> people in North Wales. Da- Dagenham, one of those teams that, that always seem to ruffle the feathers of the big boys. You know, we, Wrexham, end, end of last season... You know, didn't get a result there. You were commentating two years ago now when Dean Keats was in charge. Yeah. Wrexham drew there, missed out on the playoffs. What is it? I mean, what did you make of Dagenham? I know it was a, a tough, tough game for them. I mean, they, they sort of got away with it. Notts fans were not very happy with, with some of the decision making. But there are a lot of teams like Dagenham in the league where they just, and maybe Maidenhead as well, they just sort of know how to keep grinding out results that make them so formidable year in, year out. Yeah, they did ride their luck in that game. There's no doubt about that. But they also defended so well. I mean, the amount of blocks and last-ditch challenges. And to do that off the back of literally the night before losing mm. their manager was a quite remarkable feat, really. Um, Notts County probably win that game 99 times out of 100 with the amount of chances that they've created. Um, but that's still not to detract from what Dagenham did. And I, and I think in terms of the counter-attacking goals, they were both superb goals that belonged at a highest standard of football, you could argue as well, particularly the first. Um, mm. It was a lovely move. The second one is a, is a devastating finish from a former Notts County player. Um, so they did really well, but of course they couldn't back it up, could they? Because they then went to Maidenhead and lost right. in, in the week. So... Um, they, they've had a very up and down season, Dagenham. I think they've won exactly the same number of league games that they've lost. So that just tells you that you know it's been a real roller coaster of a season. Um, be interesting to see who goes in there after Darren McMahon. I'm not sure anything's been announced in terms no. of that yet. I know there'll be a lot of candidates for that because you know they are essentially. I mean, they, they, for a long time they've been they've been a football league side. I mean, they they could argue that they would feel that maybe their their home is in the football league. A lot of clubs at this level would say that. So that, it's a pretty good job to get that. Um, and with the American owners that are there as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't doubt that they, they're very capable of giving Wrexham a good game. I would bat Wrexham to win it, just as I'd bat Notts County to mm. win it. And I think normally they would do, as I say. they. I think they hit the post twice. They had one absolute stonewall penalty turned down, which I'm still baffled, really, as to yeah. I think the referees just had just had a moment there. Look, he'll be gutted about it, the referee. I know people, it's very hard to see that when you're an Ox County fan and you'll be so angry about it that you didn't get awarded. But I, always, I, I know that 
that referees, when they make a mistake like that, I mean, he will be absolutely gutted with that mistake. Um, trust me. Um, I know that's hard to, but you know, Notts County fans won't have a great deal of sympathy, but he will be gutted when he sees that back. And I didn't think there were four penalty appeals. I personally thought that was a stonewall penalty. I thought there was one that was very subjective, 50-50, and I thought the other two weren't penalties. So, yeah, um, yeah they, they were unlucky though, Notts County. I don't, I don't think anyone could deny that. And, and before we maybe drill down onto, onto the title race, the playoff hunt is as competitive as ever. You know, we're looking at, we speak to different podcasts all the time. We saw Chesterfield on Tuesday night. They're in a horrible run, but, but showed real class. Ryan Colclough, they didn't have Armando Dobra, Ollie Banks, Paul McCallum's in there now. You know, Barnett, they came and scored five at the race course. Woking got a point off Wrexham at the race course, which is hard to do. Um, South End, as we mentioned, who else is in there? easily dagging them will still be in the hunt I mean dare I say one of my friends is an Oldham fan and he's dreaming of a, a late push for the playoffs so wow. <laughs> you know what, uh, what, what what the league is is remarkable isn't it because you, we saw mm. last season with Grimsby you know you saw that run at Meadow Lane they went and beat Notts County then they beat Wrexham then they beat Solihull in the final all probably underdogs in all of those games the playoff is a, is a strange one isn't it if you finish second or third you've, you've maybe got no divine right to, to make it through no, and this is the fear, isn't it, for Wrexham and Notts County that you could both finish the season on more than 110 points and one of you might not get promoted. The amount of people who've said to me, I tweeted it today, actually, it got mm. quite a, a lot of reaction on, on Twitter because I think people can understand where I'm coming from, is that uh, the, the feeling that you, you would be, be so damaged, so hurt by not winning a, a race as, as close as that and to get something like 110 points, people have said to me, that team won't get promoted via the playoffs because they'll just collapse. Now, whether that's true or not, we'll only know in the fullness of time, won't right. we? Um, but a lot of people have said that to me. I mean, I've, I've had several Notts County fans say that because I live in Nottingham. I've right. had several Notts County fans say that to me in recent days, that they're very pessimistic that if they don't win the title, that they won't go up. So it's interesting, isn't it, the psychology of, of what will happen to the team that doesn't win that battle between Wrexham and Notts County. Um, I thought last season's playoffs were... Um, the best I've ever seen. Um, yeah. For what Grimsby did, it's almost still, to me, unbelievable. It is a feat that I would... I can. I don't know whether I'll ever see that again. It, it was truly astonishing what they did. Um, and, you know, I looked it up earlier, actually, because they're playing in the FA Cup this evening while we're right. talking. Yeah. And I looked it up, and this time last year, they were actually fractionally outside the playoff places. And you, you, you fast-forward a year... And they're not only in the EFL, but they look very likely to stay up. They're you know, just below mid-table. I'd be amazed if they went down. And they've taken 5,000 fans to, the, to a Premier League club in the FA Cup fifth round. Something that they've not been involved in, I think, since around, I think it's 96, 97, something wow. like that, that they haven't played. So it just shows you how much can change in a year and how important those playoffs were to the future of that football club. And I think this season, the playoffs... You know, when you think one of Wrexham and Notts County will be in them, and you've got Woking, who've along with South End, for me, been one of the stories of the season. What yeah. Darren Sarr has, has done there is, is, in terms of managerial feat, is is quite remarkable, really. Uh, Barnet are a good story. Chesterfield, you worry a bit for them right now. They haven't won in nine. They've lost six of them. Their form has dropped off a cliff, and they've got to make sure they're just in the playoffs at the end of the season now. And then you've got team, you know. <laughs> The several teams that will feel they've got a chance still of getting involved. And then you've got Eastleigh and Southend occupying those two final places. But as I say, below them, you've got Boreham Wood, Bromley, mm -hmm. Dagenham and Redbridge, maybe even as far as clubs like Altrincham and Wealdstone might still feel they've got an outside chance of getting involved in the playoffs. So they're going to be really, really entertaining. Um, I can't wait for them. They're, they're one of the highlights of my year. I mean, as I say, I do all levels of football, but the National League playoffs are, are a real treat every year. They always give us drama. Well, hopefully we can enjoy it as champions and we can, we can relax a bit because it's, it's, it's year 15 for us and we're, we're getting a bit sick and tired of, mm. of losing it in the playoffs. But I was going to read one of your tweets earlier, actually, in talking about the title race. You, you tweeted that, you know, Wrexham win on Tuesday night, which they went on to do, you know, they've equal, Wrexham have equaled now the number of wins they got in the entirety of last season. And it's you know, the end of the end of February, it's now March where we're talking and Notts County have already won more games than they did last season. With, with this title race, do you think that because both have been so good, they've almost spurred each other on and made it, it what it is? Or are we just seeing two freakish teams that are just you know, the best we've seen at this level? 
I think it's a bit of both. I, I think that we're seeing... Because sometimes I'm, I'm interested by people's opinions and I talk a lot about the three up, three down. And one of the arguments yeah. for those who are against it that they throw back at me is, well, they'll say, well, if you've got two teams that are that far ahead of everybody else, the rest of the league can't be up to much. Well, I actually disagree with that. I think that that there are quality teams below Wrexham and Notts County. I just think the reality is that they're absolutely exceptional. And for me, the third best team in the league in terms of their squad on paper is Chesterfield. Yeah. And they've just they've gone nine games without a win and they've lost six of them. So that suggests to me that, that there must be quality beyond Wrexham and Notts County. And as I said, I mean, we've already reeled off some of the teams that are, that are doing really well this season. And you have to look at the teams who were relegated from League Two last season. Scunthorpe are second from bottom and Oldham have, have rallied of late but they're still only 15th so right. that says to me and, and then again people will throw back at you all, yeah but they're basket case clubs well they were still playing in League 2 last season so I, I, and you know they've been there for a long time so I, I, I think that, that maybe sometimes it's underestimated the quality that runs through the National League I'm not saying that you know, it goes right to the foot of the table. But I, I think there are, I think there is a much more quality beyond Wrexham and Notts County, but they are, um, I don't know if I do, yeah, they're just exceptional, two exceptional teams. And there's shades of almost like a National League, uh, Man City and Liverpool of recent years, really, in that, yes, they are pushing each other to incredible lengths and extremes in terms of the standards that are setting in their performance levels. Um, you only have to look at how they're even competing off the pitch. I mean, last week, I think it was Notts County who announced the signing first of Lemonay Evans. Yeah. It was literally the day later, I think it was Barnett was signed by Wrexham. It's almost like tick for tat off the pitch as well. It's like, well, you make a good signing, so we'll go and do it as well. And they really are pushing each other. And, and I have to say, I mean, for the fans involved, it, it must be... Um, quite, it must be really dominating the thoughts of both sets of fans. The fear of failure, the fear of missing out must be huge for the fans. But I have to say from a neutral perspective, I'm absolutely loving this race. And I know that so many other people are as well. And the great thing as well is how it's, it's making people who would normally not even probably look at the National League results they're suddenly talking about it at the water cooler. It's become, I mean, I, I can give you an example of, I go and watch, both my girls play football. I'll stand on the sidelines and I can honestly say to you that at the moment, more people want to talk to me about the National League than about the Premier League or the Champions League, because you know, a lot of them know what I do for a job. So you'll, right. you'll get that kind of conversation at the side of the pitch. And there are all, there's so many people talking about the National League, which is just fantastic. You know, and and I, I was even in the gym the other day and I was just doing some weights and I could hear two blokes <laughs> over the other side of the gym talking about Notts County and the National League and the promotion races. It really is brilliant that such a light is being shone on the league and it's in part um, down to the incredible standards and the quality of, of Wrexham and Notts County. Talking about strikers and quality, the, obvi- the obvious examples are, are Macaulay Langstaff, who's having an, the best season of his career, and Paul Mullin. You know, we've seen, I talk a lot, you're talking about, you've had conversations, I talk a lot in work about Jamie Vardy, when Wrexham got 98 points and they missed mm-hmm. out, and it was Jamie Vardy for Fleetwood. You know, last season it was sort of Paddy Madden, really, that, that did us in with Stockport, and, and there have been, you know, loads of others, John Akinde when he was at... Um, Barney and I remember Matt Reed. I used to curse Matt Reed when he was at Lincoln because he would always be an absolute nuisance to play. It's been loads of great strikers, but the quality of what we're seeing from Paul Mullin and and Macaulay Langstaff. I mean, you know, how much higher do you think they they could both go? Because they're both so so good. Well, I hope from a, a Wrexham perspective and Paul Mullin that he gets a shot at, at the Welsh national side because I know that he's been very vocal mm. that he wants to do that and I'd love to see him tested at that level I really would because you know people would have had question marks over to somebody who's ripping it up in the National League and they would say well yeah but it's the National League would he do be able to do that in League 1 and League two? well he's proven you know he, he's done it at, at League 2 level he got 32 goals so we know he can do it at League 2 level yes there's an understandable question mark over League League 1 I and mean, I think the last season he played at that level he only got a uh, I think it was about three goals for, for right. Tranmere. Um, but we saw in the FA Cup against a side like Sheffield United, he caused them all sorts of problems. So I'd love to see him tested at, at, at maybe League One level again at some point. He might well do that with Wrexham. Who knows what the future holds? And I would like to see him given a chance 
at international level as well. I think he's still young enough that, that he could be given a chance. He's 28. Mm. What's so interesting about these two is that they come from such different places because obviously Paul Mullen is a player who has played in the EFL and has now found himself, he's made this decision to play in the National League and, and, and has chosen the size of the club, I think, as like a project. He'll be being paid nicely as well. We all know <laughs> that. That, that. That will have helped his decision. And I don't I don't mean that in a, in a nasty no, no, way. That, course, that, 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 you know, we all work for money at the end of the day. Um, and I, but they're, they're such different from such different places because, of course, Langstaff is a bit younger uh, and he's not played in the Football League before. Um, he's still somebody who, a bit like Mullin, they're both interesting. They're both fairly late bloomers in terms of the hitting the, the number of goals they are doing right now. I mean, Mullin hadn't done that earlier in his career. Uh, and Langstaff, people forget, he's, he's not like 21 or 22, he's 26. Mm. So he, he's a fairly late bloomer. If, if you look at the 20. Uh, 2020-21 season at Gateshead, he scored three goals. So last season was the first season in his career where he really hit big numbers. He got 28 in National League North. And then the obvious question is, well, can he do it at a higher level? Well, the emphatic answer this season has mm-hmm. been yes. And I have to say, when I some of the things I've seen from him this season, his first touch at times, um, his shooting from all areas, his movement. I went and watched him one night just as a, as a spectator. I just, went, I just wanted to go and watch him. And I was in Nottingham and I thought, right, I'm just going to go and watch this guy and not really watch the rest of the game. I just want to watch his movement. And that's what I did. And I was really impressed by it. I mean, I think he scored one that night. I can't remember who it was against now, but his movement was really good. Um, he's, he's clearly a real natural finisher. But you'd love to see Langstaff tested in League Two and, and, and see what he could do there. And, you know, you're tempted to say when you look at some of the examples you've given in the past, obviously the most notable one being Jamie Vardy, you're tempted to say, look, could somebody like a Langstaff go on and, and, and do it in the championship or, you know, maybe mm. even the Premier League. You, you just need to see them tested at the next, that next level first, don't you? Because sometimes the leaps can be a lot bigger than we as spectators and football fans realise. Right. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, you know, when, when the season started in League Two, I think we were all a bit confused by Stockport start. You know, they, they look like they've they've got it together now and we'll probably do that double promotion. And good luck to them. But, you know, they, they sort of struggled early doors and... You know, a lot of the feeling is if Wrexham and Notts County go up, they will be able to to go again. So it'll be it'll be really interesting. I thought I would run a couple more by you though. One of the players we haven't seen yet, like you said, you mentioned him earlier, Ryan Barnett. Um, we've seen a little bit on social media about his stats and his crossing and this and that. And I think a lot of people were holding out hope that maybe we we would be able to poach Andy Dallas. You know, add some bit more firepower, a bit more depth in attack. But Ryan Barnett, you will have had a chance to watch him at Solihull and they're not having the best of seasons, but they have had in recent years. What what kind of players Ryan Barnett? You know, you don't need to get too too in depth, but you know, clearly a quality one that Wrexham have picked up. Yeah, he's somebody that will get a lot of crosses into the box. That's a really important part of his game. He can play as an out-and-out winger. He can play as a, a wing-back. So in that respect, he fits very well with Wrexham in terms hmm. of the shape that they look to play. So a sensible signing in that respect. The one thing that I've always been a little bit concerned about when you're asked questions about somebody like him, because you get asked a lot, you know, people sure. people are often saying, even people, at, uh, other managers at other clubs will say, have you seen much of this player? Would you? And the one thing that would worry me a little bit about him is that for somebody who plays normally in quite an advanced area of the pitch, that is, is numbers in terms of goals <laughs> and assists are not maybe quite as high as I, as right. I would hope. Um, he got three goals last season uh, in 42 league games. He got one. Um, I'm trying to think. No, he doesn't. I think he scored at all yet this season. So that that would be a slight worry for me. But let's see what he does at a side where they're creating maybe more chances than, well, definitely more chances than right. he was at his previous club. And I, I think in terms of his technical ability, he's very good for this level of football. I think Wrexham could be the sort of move that could help him kick on and increase his numbers. And I'm sure that would have been part of the conversation when they were looking to recruit him. They would be thinking, well, you know, is this somebody who's got the potential in a in a better side to, to maybe um, start racking up more, more goals and assists? And I think even he would say that, you know, that is an area of his game that he could add to. And it's what a lot of coaches look at these days, isn't it? Understandably, what is their output? But in terms of crosses into the box, that is, a, I think he'd be right up there as the top end of the National League in terms of getting those. And when you've got people like Palmer and Mullin and, and Dolby in there, that they're going to score a lot of goals, aren't they? 
Yeah, well, Sam Dolby's really kicking on and you know getting lots of praise on on Tuesday night. I guess final one, and we bring it back to to Saturday. You'll be there with, uh, I'm sure, it'll be Adam Virgo next to you again, trusted sidekick at Maidenhead. Aaron McLean, the big thing with BT this year is the running joke about Aaron McLean's uh, social media account <laughs> that everyone's very much enjoyed. And we hope even Rob McElhenney's getting involved now. He hopes he doesn't have to tweet that again. I think he tweeted earlier. Um, but but Maidenhead at the weekend, I mean, those are the kind of games, they're very cliche, but those are the kind of games where you could easily get tripped up. Notts County could beat Bromley or they could, what, they could knock us off top spot again. And we've got to go under the lights at York Road against a, you know, an Alan Devonshire team, which is always a bit of a thorn in everybody's side. They they don't seem to go away. They look like they were struggling, going to go down. Now they've rattled off something like three wins in a row, and now they're now they're looking good and and looking rosy. Experience of Maidenheads never never straightforward, is it? For I mean, for our international fans, they might think on paper that looks a breeze, but it's it's always far from that. No, I, d- I don't think it will, Abreeze. No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, they could be tricky opposition. And as you said, they're, they've won three in a row, which is, by the way, their best winning run of the season. Uh, the first time they've won three in a row in all competitions since October 2021. The last time they won three National League games in a row was November 2020. So they really are in good shape for, for Maidenhead. Um, they haven't won four in a row. Uh, say to, I think it was November 2020, they had a, a five-game winning run. The thing with Maidenhead is that they don't, particularly at home at York Rose, which is such an, an historic stadium, I think there's that statistic, isn't it, that n- there's no team has played at the same stadium um, for as long. That's, they've, they've, they've been their home for such a long time, which is a, um, a statistic that always gets rolled out when we cover a live game. But they, they don't concede many goals there. I, I think only once this season they've conceded more than once in a home game. Um, I think that was a, against Solly Hull. It was a 2-0 loss against Solly right. Hull back in uh, October. Um, that, sorry, they've, not that they've conceded, that they've been beaten, sorry, correct. Right, they've yeah, been yeah. beaten them by more than one goal at home. And that was a 2-0 uh, victory for, for Solly Hull there. So, well, Wrexham, Wrexham always kind of have a bit of difficulty there because the, the results, whenever we play them, home or away, it's usually always within one goal. You know, I don't think we've, I think we've got a point there in our last three trips. I think we might, might have last one there. I want to say 2019, 2018, something like that under Sam Ricketts. But I think since then, they've always... I mean, last season we lost and, and Paul, Paul Mullen escaped the red card. It was given to Bryce Hosanna. Um, you know, we lost 3-2 there. Ryan, Ryan and Rob went for their first experience of the National yeah, League. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they're always... You're, I mean, I don't know what it is about York Road. I'll be there. A lot of, I'm sure a lot of Wrexham fans will be. It's just a classic National League away day that always yeah. you know, can always come a cropper to. I think Alan Devonshire's very wily, isn't he? And he knows yeah. how to approach certain games. I mean, you saw that victory they had over Yeovil recently. I was really impressed with with the way that they played in that game. He's, as I said, I mean, he's, he's a man in his mid-60s, been around football all his life. He knows the game inside out and he'll, he'll have a plan. He'll have a plan for Wrexham to try and get something out of the game and they'll want to continue the run that they're on. You know, the, the thing is, you could look at Maidenhead going into this match and you say, well, you know, the pressure's really off them because they're, they're, they're not going to go down. It'd be, they'd, have to have a, they'd have to absolutely fall off a cliff to go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very unlikely to, to trouble the playoff places. So, you know, even in at the beginning of March, they can relax a little bit and maybe that is perhaps perhaps helps them. I don't know. You'd, only, you'd have to know the psychology right. of the dressing room. But I, I think that there's, certainly there's a heat more pressure, isn't there, on Wrexham going into this than there is, you could argue, on Maidenhead. They just they will want to continue their run. Obviously, there's, there's personal, there's individual pride to, to consider there as well. But I, I totally agree with your assessment that nothing can be taken for granted here. And they, look, this is the great thing about the National League. Again, when I rail against this view that you know, there's not really any quality outside of the top two. I think many, many occasions this season, even Notts County and Wrexham have, have gone into games and, and been troubled and had to find solutions in games. And look, you only have to look at Rex, uh, Wrexham at Aldershot recently. Right. You know, they, they, they have, they've had to find solutions in games and they've had to dig out results. And you know, you're not going to blitz teams four and five nil every week. It just The league just isn't really like that. So I think it, it could be a, a tricky assignment at the weekend. We'll see. We'll see. And and lastly, I won't put you on. I'm I'm going to be nice. I won't put you on the spot for who you think will win the league. But but what <laughs> put what points total do you think it will take oh, to wow. win the league? But, you know, because the record points total for people who listen, I got I saw an amazing tweet before of all the different records for the league. You know, most wins in in a league season thirty one, um, fewest defeats is three, 
Um, you know, most goals 103. All of these are sort of on on the cusp of you know being broken. Most points 105. We think back to Crawley 2010, 11, something like that. I mean, Phil Parkinson was asked it. Luke Williams has been asked it. What sort of ballpark figure do you think it may take to to get to get over the line, whoever it may be? I I think we'll see the the current record broken. Um, I think it will be. I think it'd be between 105 and 110. I, I right. think that I think that both sides between now and the end of the season, I, I still think there's a lot of twists and turns left in this, and I think that the pressure there will be on both of these sides, we've not even we're not even close to seeing the height of that yet. If if it stays as close as it is right now, um, the, the pressure on those two teams come. You know that when we look around the Easter Monday fixture. Uh, oh God! I'm, don't I'm, mention the Easter Monday fixture. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, 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 there's even fans getting nervous about it now, and it's how many weeks away is it? I mean, I can't wait for it. I really can't. I think if it's as close as it is now, come then it'll be the biggest national league game ever. You could argue, certainly the biggest one I'll have covered. Uh, I know that Wrexham Stockport at the back end of last season was was given that tag, wasn't it, as one of the biggest national league games ever? Well, this would have to be. Uh, right up there with it. So um, I think I think Wrexham are, at the minute on their current PPG, I think it's 113.6, if memory serves me mad, right. I worked it out earlier mad. today. So I don't think it'd be quite that because I think mm. points may well get dropped between now and the end of the season. But I, I would be amazed if the current record weren't broken, put it that way. So there you go, Rich. Uh he thinks it will be, I think he said between 105 and 110 points to win the league. I didn't push him. I thought it'd be kind. I didn't push him on who I think or who he thinks would win it. Um, but as he said, more twists and turns to come. And you'd agree with that? Absolutely. I've, WhatsApp groups this week have just been inundated <laughs> with me predicting where points are going to be uh, sort of dropped. And I mean, the next two games before we next record, Maidenhead away, Saturday night on BT, Dagenham oh. away next Tuesday. I don't want both. to be too pessimistic. I would be surprised if we had six points in those two games. As would I. As as would I, I have to say. But you know what? Maidenhead, I'm there. That's, I think we've taken one point from the last three trips there. Uh, we obviously lost last season. Bryce Hosanna got sent off. Uh, in place of Paul Mullin, when Ryan and Rob were there for their first experience of watching the National League live. Um, Dagenham, obviously, uh, need need we say more? First season of the documentary, you see Keats, we draw there. Um, Maidenhead 12th in the form table at the moment, over yeah. the last 10 games. Dagenham it, yeah. 17th. You know, it's all about all about pressure now, Rich. How how can we handle the pressure? We handled yeah. it Tuesday night. Notts County can go back top of the league if they get a result against Bromley. Um, and we, we, you know, we would go into that maidenhead game needing a result to go back. Pardon me, to go back top. So it's um, oh, it's just going to be tricky, and it's going to be cold by the look of it. So I'm going to be freezing, but I'm at both. And by the time I record next, it'll be my birthday next week. So uh, feel free to wish me a happy birthday if you want. It's very uh, egotistical of me, but if you want to, you can. Um, and Rich, before we go, I've got a couple of shout outs. I said on the last podcast that the Dorking game was the memorial game. And if you didn't get chance to get in touch with the club, I know they had a kind of a deadline um, that you could message us, email us, robbrandredgmail.com, or you could send us a message. And I got a lovely message, actually, from Jonah Devitt, who said, uh, Hi, chats, would it be possible to shout out my dad, Mike, who passed away age 71 back in July? I do remember this, and I know it hit Jonah and his family really, really hard. Um, yeah, he was a season to get older for many years in the old road. Uh, was a big fan of Mark Griffiths, who obviously does the commentary on the radio. Um, and he might have. He says he may have met Rich um, when Rich was in the, on the media team, uh, because he bought his old man uh, an experience from Build the Budget to spend a day in the media team. So I'm not going to put Rich on the spot there. Um, but he, he loved listening to the podcasts, um, and uh, you know was an avid reader of um, the programs and the fanzines and everything. Um, but would it be nice? Would it be okay to give him a shout out? Absolutely. You know, 71. He's seen plenty of highs and lows. Rich with Wrexham, and uh, you know I'm. For all of those that have seen part of it that we've lost this season, I know Dorkin, it was really well observed that memorial um, before the game. And, you know, everyone's got people in their lives that have not got to see this this season through. And as, as sad as that is, let's hope it ends 
on a high. I know Jonah's now going with his little lad and, you know, that's the next generation that is getting to to celebrate Wrexham fans. And, and again, before I throw it back to you, um, Rich, another Rich, all the Riches, helped me out getting a ticket to the Chesterfield game. And uh, my parents actually went to the My Squin event. I know sometimes you pop your head in there, um, Mickey Thomas, and it was Brian Flynn on Tuesday. Uh, after the South End game, so rather than before, after the South End game, Dennis Smith, Wrexham, are we giving him Wrexham royalty status? Yeah, I think we've got to, haven't we? We've got to give him Wrexham royalty status. Um, Dennis Smith is the speaker, and you can get a two-course meal and a drink. Still tickets in there. Get involved because uh, rave reviews off the parents, and they also won a raffle there. So uh, I was very happy with that. But you can get tickets. I'll put a link in the description to um, the My Squins Dennis Smith tickets. And like I say, if you if you missed our email our message last week. And you want a shout out for family member or anything? Let us know. You can get in touch. Robryanred at gmail dot com. Uh, Rob Ryan Red on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, the whole shebang. Um, and that's it, Rich. I don't know. Top of the league. We're not having a laugh, maybe, but we are cautiously we're optimistic. There. We're there. We're there. How long we stay there for? I don't know. How do we get there? I don't care. <laughs> All knows Wrexham are on the way and we will be back with you next week to reflect on whatever does happen on the road. Maidenhead and Dagnum up next. Thank you very much for joining us on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with our kind sponsors, Red 10 People Development. And again, a massive shout out to Wrexham bass band Hypnotic for all the music, the stings you hear on the podcast. Thank you very much, Nathan Salt. Thank you very much, Adam Summerton. Take care. See you on your travels. Wrexham, top of the league. How long will we stay there for? Join us next week to find out. the 90th minute all your mates are around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got but for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mc delivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hold up 